0: When you're looking for a doctor or hospital, you can bet that you're going to see the U.S. News & World Report Best Hospitals Shield logo popping up all over the place. U.S. News & World Report has been publishing their annual Best Hospitals list for almost 30 years, and it's become an important yardstick for understanding both the quality and the reputation for major healthcare providers. There was a time when those hospitals didn't have much of an opportunity to impact the outcome of those rankings. But some surprising research from healthcare marketing leader W2O indicates that those times may be changing. Hello, and welcome to the Data Point Podcast, the podcast all about the ways that data and analytics are driving innovation in healthcare today. I'm your host, Greg Matthews, and this week I'm talking with Lee Acey. Lee is a 20-year veteran of the Mayo Clinic who's currently the communications director for its social and digital innovation initiatives. Lee and I are going to unpack the results of that research and talk about the amazing work that Lee and his Mayo Clinic team have done to enable their staff and their clinicians to play an important role in driving their institution's reputation. Hey, I'm here today with Lee Acey. We are live at the Med conference in Nashville and um, are excited about the presentation that we're going to give this morning. And wanted to talk a little bit about some of the work that led to it. Um, so without further ado, I'll turn it over to you, Lee.
1: Great. Well, uh, Greg, I'm really glad to be able to be with you on your podcast. Um, and we're talking about the U.S. News and World Report rankings. So why, what are those and why does anybody care about them?
0: So for the last several years, U.S. News and World War Report has been collecting a pretty comprehensive set of data relative to hospital performance. And these have begun to be really important because they're very highly publicized. They tend to show up very strongly in search. uh, And they've become a way for institutions to begin to brand themselves in terms of quality. So having a good ranking in the U.S. News and World Report best hospital rankings has become a pretty important reputational thing uh, in the world of hospitals and health systems
1: over the last several years we've uh, started seeing their best hospitals logo uh, everywhere uh, what changed to make that happen
0: so this is a really interesting thing in the past u s news and world report would always submit a set number of ballots out to physicians to vote for their uh... for the best hospitals and. The physician reputation score within the U.S. News and World Report Best Hospital Rankings is a very important component. It composes about a third of the overall rating. But three years ago, U.S. News and World Report opened up the voting online through a platform called Doximity, which most of us in the healthcare world will know about. And so now any doctor who has a Doximity account can go in and vote. And what that means is that not only are institutions using their uh, best hospital ranking for their own promotional purposes but they're also using it to encourage their own clinicians uh, to go out and vote through Doximity.
1: What kind of things did you measure in order to test for correlation with the physician reputation score?
0: So we wanted to really understand what was driving this the way that physicians perceived hospitals and so what we did was we looked at all kinds of potentially corollary data, like the average age of the clinician, the size of the institution, uh, the number of oncology-related specialists, because this was a focus on cancer centers. Uh, We looked at the gender mix, but we spent a lot of time also looking at the way that both the institution and the clinicians used social media.
1: Well, of all those measurements, which of them seemed to have the most meaningful connection with the physician (laughs) reputation score?
0: Well, without going into too much detail, there are some that were right at our expectations and some that were a little surprising. For example, we expected the size of the institution to be a big factor in how physicians rated them from a reputational perspective. In fact, it was not. Um, One that was, which was an encouraging thing, is that uh, gender mix actually had a very strong positive correlation. So having a, a better balance of male and female clinicians um, but the most impactful measurement related to the physician reputation score was actually the number of clinicians who are using social media. Uh, and I think that confirmed something that people like you and I have believed for a long time, but now we actually have the statistics to back it up. So, and that actually leads to. A really interesting question, which is if you accept that as fact, which I think that you and I, again, took on faith for a long time, but now uh, it's, we know it's, correlation. It's, it's correlation. It's correlation, exactly. it's not necessarily
1: causation. But exactly,
0: yep. but they are in, uh, no question related. Uh, you've obviously been interested in social media for a long time at the Mayo Clinic. Tell me about how that got started and how the Mayo Clinic thinks about social media.
1: Well, sure. As we started to, when I was the manager of the media relations team, Low these many years ago, so it was around 2003 or so. We started exploring what was called new media at the time, and that's partly because we'd understood from our brand research that the most important factor in patients' preference for Mayo Clinic was word of mouth. Interesting. And so we recognized that the new way that word of mouth was going to be happening was through these social and digital tools. And so we started, you know, experimenting with podcasting. Uh, we we saw. Um, opportunities to not just pitch the media but be the media so my job was to tell stories uh, to consumers and patients through journalists and now we saw a new opportunity to not only do that but also to connect more directly with those uh, stakeholders and also to provide an opportunity for our patients who you know over over 150 years have been doing that word-of-mouth recommendation for Mayo Clinic to give them a platform where they'd be, where they were going to be doing it to some, to some extent anyway, but why not uh, provide a, a Mayo Clinic Facebook page, for instance, where they could uh, talk about their experiences and then their friends would see those experiences and it would help to uh, signify Mayo Clinic or to, to position Mayo Clinic top of mind among their friends.
0: And that makes complete sense. And I know that it's something that has been very successful over the years across multiple channels. Lots of experimentation. I'm really interested in how you began to engage clinicians and other Mayo Clinic staff in social media. How did that? How did that start? And, and uh, how have you seen it grow over the years? Yeah.
1: Well, originally, our use of social media was to help me do my job as a communicator better. Yep. And so uh, in 2009, 2010, uh, we made a proposal to our leadership uh, that we should create what we then called the Mayo Clinic Center for Social Media as a way of helping all all other Mayo Clinic employees be able to use social media in their work. So whether it's clinical practice or education or research, that they should figure out how to harness these tools uh, to be more effective in their work. Uh, we got enthusiastic support and created that, uh, that center. And so one of the things we saw was an opportunity and a need to provide training to our staff uh. so that they could confidently engage. The thing about doctors is that they're all A students.
0: <laughs> of and, course.
1: and so they don't want to look dumb in public. They don't want to make a mistake that would uh, reflect poorly on them, on their profession, and on our institution. And so we did uh, tweet camps, which were one-hour sessions. We also created a course called Social Media Residency, which is a one-day course now uh, that is both for you know frontline physicians as well as uh, those who are working in other hospitals uh, who are interested, who are leading sort of the tip of the spear implementation Mm -hmm. of social media in their hospitals, to provide them an opportunity to uh, get that training and perhaps bring it back uh, to their to organizations.
0: You know, not to uh, to tease the data too much, but I can tell you that the Mayo Clinic in Rochester as well as in Arizona were two of the top three uh, in our rankings in terms of the number of clinicians actually active on social media, so probably not terribly surprising. Um, I'm really curious though, so I, I guess the reason I bring that up is because obviously this has been a pretty successful initiative over the last nine years to really get the buy-in from a group of people that Back in 2009, I think there was a lot of skepticism about whether clinicians would ever really be interested in this. You've also opened up the social media network, though, to go beyond just the Mayo Clinic. Tell me about that.
1: Yeah, well, that that really comes down to our uh, history. Um, our founders, Dr. Will and Dr. Charlie Mayo, uh, were what I like to call our first social networkers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they traveled. Dr. Will, the older brother, traveled to thirty countries by train and steamship during his lifetime to teach others and to learn from others and to bring those lessons back to apply, you know, in their practice as surgeons. Wow. We see an opportunity now through these digital tools. Instead of uh, taking six weeks by steamship to get to Australia, <laughs> we can instantaneously, you know, snap of a finger, electronically make those connections. And we feel a responsibility, you know, at that. And so we created what's now called the Mayo Clinic Social Media Network as a means for us to share what we're doing, you know, our, our learnings, our best practices, but also recognizing that we don't have all the answers, and, we, yeah. and a lot of other people are doing interesting things. And by creating a network, we have an opportunity for us to go to school on them as well and get ideas that we can perhaps apply within our practice. So it's really a, a
0: win-win. So can you give me a, a ballpark? How many institutions are involved in this network at this point?
1: Yeah, well, so in terms of our corporate members, that includes both members of the Mayo Clinic Care Network as well as others who have purchased a corporate membership. Um, it's 90 or so wow. altogether. And it's about half and a half between those two types, and then we have other individuals who are members, just as they're sort of that uh, tip of the spear. They've attended one of our conferences, uh, and they've, uh, and as a result of that, get a membership where they can be able to participate. We also have a free level of membership that we've got more than fifteen thousand people, you know, who've set up accounts and are able to at least. You know, interact there uh, if they'd like.
0: Fantastic. That's a really big community. It's uh, it's impressive to have grown it so really so quickly at, at such scale. Yeah.
1: Well, it's I mean there was a significant appetite and and interesting like to what you're talking about the physicians being skeptical mm-hmm. and that definitely was the uh, predominant attitude. I mean it's a there's the early adopters and the whole you know that whole curve of adoption. We're way past um, you know the. The early adopter stage now. Now we're at the point where people come to us saying, "Okay, I think I need to be in social media. How do I do it?" Yeah. And so there's a little, a lot less of the education and why it's important, and more on you know best practices and what does it take to be
0: successful. So I know that one of the ways that people connect with the social media network is through the events that you referenced, and uh, you also talked about going to Australia via steamship, and mm-hmm. I know that you recently brought the Social Media Network uh, Summit event to Australia. Tell me about plans for future events. How can people connect uh, in the next few months?
1: Yeah, well, uh, in October, October 21st, 22nd, 23rd, we have uh, Social Media Residency, which is that one-day course that I mentioned, as well as our Mayo Clinic Social Media Network Annual Conference in, in Rochester, Minnesota, so it's in it's in mid-fall, not winter, so it's a, a great time to be there, a beautiful time to be in Minnesota. Perfect. And a chance to visit uh, Mayo Clinic. We have about 20 spots. We, we capped the registration at 150, and we've got about 20 spots left
0: right now. So, oh, wow. So, so if people want to sign up, it's should about it. time to do it. They should do, it, do it, it, it soon.
1: And if they can't make that one, um, they could consider that in December we're going to be holding our first Middle East Healthcare Social Media Summit in Dubai. Oh, my goodness. In the United Arab Emirates. And uh, that's going to be an amazing experience. I was just there last week um, meeting with various uh, dignitaries, uh, the the Dubai Health Authority, the Ministry of Health and Prevention, and so uh, facilitated by our colleagues at Mohammed bin Rashid University of Medicine and Science. Uh, they are our host, along with American Hospital Dubai, which is American Mayo Clinic Care Network member. And we're looking to great, create a great blend of about 40% uh, American and other uh, mm-hmm. So Mayo Clinic staff, uh, Cynthia uh, Manley from Vanderbilt oh, is great. going to be uh, participating in this as well. Um, David Grayson from New Zealand, Marie Annis O'Connor from Ireland. So we're bringing an international flavor. We don't want to be the imperialist. We know how to do social media. <laughs> you don't. So we're, um, one of the reasons for to visit last week was to make some connections with people who would have uh, interesting case studies to share and perspectives so we can really help them in that context uh, to best apply it. And I'll just tell you, December in Dubai is going to be beautiful.
0: Oh, yeah. And I I can tell you from experience, having been to several of the annual conferences, I've met people from around the world. But it's such a special thing to be able to bring the conference to others. It's so much easier uh, for somebody from the Middle East to come to Dubai than it would be to come to Rochester. And I know, from again, from personal experience, the Middle Eastern clinician community very active in social media. And so I think it's going to be a really vibrant discussion, um, uh, really exciting.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be great. I mean, as you mentioned, when we went to Australia, it was because one of our uh, participants in our Rochester conference said, Hey, you know, we need to bring this to Australia. Would you do it? And so we navigated through it, and in 2015 and 2016, we did conferences in Brisbane and Melbourne. Now we're delighted to be able to bring it to a whole new region
0: of the world. Fantastic. So, as people want to find more information about the social media network, what do they do? Just go to socialmedia.mayoclinic.org, and that uh,
1: sign up for the free account, and that'll give you access to all the conversations as well as the news you can use, the the curated news that we do, and the blog posts, the Thought Leader kind of blog posts. They'll see some preview posts on the upcoming uh, conference. We also do some webinars. And, you know, we encourage people to check out the the premium options for membership as well. Um, The best and main way for individuals is by going to one of the conferences. Uh, The one-year membership is included uh, for that. Oh, great. But the corporate membership is a... Great bargain because essentially it provides um, unlimited access for the organization to the premium level of membership, which Fantastic. is a uh, pretty great value. No matter how size, how big the, how small the size of the organization, uh, for most, uh, if they've got more than 20 employees, it's going to be
0: a deal uh, oh, yeah. to get the corporate membership. Outstanding. All right. Well, I will have links to the social media network in our show notes today. I will also have some links to the talk that Lee and I are giving later this morning uh, in Nashville. So be sure to check those out. Lee, thank you so much for being here and uh, excited about working with you.
1: Thanks, Greg. Glad for the opportunity to do it and uh, look forward to it.
0: Thanks so much for listening to the Datapoint podcast. If you like what you've heard, please do rate, review, and share it with your social network. It means a lot. And if you have ideas for show topics or guests, please email them to me at greg at healthquant.health or send a direct message to at Moose on Twitter. That's C-H-I-M-O-O-S-E on Twitter. For more information about this show or any of the terrific healthcare podcasts in the Touchpoint Media Network, check them out at touchpoint.health. See you next time.